Hey there, will Donald Trump's decision to skip the debate strengthen or weaken his position in the Republican Party race? And is the GOP's leadership really under attack? I'm Aaron Young. Let's find out. Now, streaming right around the world, this is Ticker Today. Hello, welcome. Great to be with you wherever you are watching right around the world. Coming up, a growing number of workers are finding salvation in a surprising place, career change. But first, let's kick it off today with Ticker Hotshots and we're live to New York and Veronica Dudo. Veronica, always great to see you. Now, the top GOP presidential primary candidates largely, largely shying away from those hot button issues, including the party's poor showing at Tuesday's election during the third GOP presidential primary debate. One of the highlights, though, came from biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. It was his big moment to shine. Take a look in case you missed I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here, and I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there are cheering for losing in the Republican Party. All right. Uh, really interesting points that he makes there, seeing him turning on the leader of the Republican Party after Tuesday's election across America, of course, there, Veronica. Um, it is worth noting that his polling numbers haven't been great and also his fortune dropped by $200 million. So he's angry. He wants to, I guess, if he's got a campaign strategist, they're saying, you got one final chance to make your moment heard. He then, of course, turned on the NBC moderators as well, saying that this should this debate should be hosted by Tucker Carlson, not NBC, alluding to MSNBC being the enemy of the Republican Party. What did you make of it all? So really interesting, you know, as we know, there were five candidates on that stage. They were all looking for uh, a different pathway forward. Some were hoping to just stay alive, while other ones were really trying to carve out some attention. Potentially, he did that, as you mentioned, uh, in terms of his business uh, in the private sector. And then, of course, uh, politically, uh, interesting results for him. Uh, you know, he's someone who's extremely very passionate, and he's asking these questions because this was on the heels of, of course, election day. This was an off-year election, but he is correct. A lot of Democrats did very well, especially in some of those swing states and key battleground states where a lot of Republicans had been uh, hoping that potentially if they took control of their state legislators, that potentially from a state level, they could try to move things in a different direction. That, of course, did not happen, as he mentioned. So yes, he is you know, blaming uh, Ronna McDaniel, who is the leader there for the GOP party. So very interesting points that he did make. He uh, actually had another scuffle with, you know, former UN ambassador Nikki Haley, where he talked about her daughter being on TikTok, saying that he's also on TikTok and she should embrace it. Uh, you know, she actually well, I mean, called Haley, him scum. Yeah, she called him scum, right? And, and mm -hmm. she was pretty angry at him. Uh, he has slipped to fourth place. He had been seen as potentially a front runner, um, but things aren't looking great for him. But he is the person we're talking about today. That's right. And of course, Ron DeSantis, he is trailing behind the likely GOP, uh, you know, 
potentially a candidate right now, the front runner, former President Donald Trump. And unfortunately, DeSantis just continues to miss his mark. He's had a lot of shakeups in terms of his staff members on his campaign moving forward. But he's just not able to find something that can really spring mm -hmm. him forward or resonate with a large enough amount of voters so far. Yeah. All right. Now let's move on. Uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle labelled the Family Guy episode that lampooned the couple as royal gifters, grifters rather, as out, an outrageous slur. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex were shredded for the lavish lifestyle in the second animated takedown since South Park's worldwide privacy tour. Have a look. That's fine. I'll go it alone. Just like Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Sir, your millions from Netflix for no one knows what. Put it with the rest of them. Babe, time to do our daily $250,000 sponsored Instagram post for Del Taco. I shouldn't have left the made up nonsense. I'm just surprised it took Family Guy uh, this long to uh, to get them in their sights. I mean, as a, a long-term Family Guy viewer myself, uh, I mean, there are so you could do a whole series on the Markles, surely, at this stage. I'm calling them the Markles. Well, maybe that's what they want. Uh, they're certainly looking uh, for some sort of project. It's an interesting timing because, of course, next week The Crown drops the latest season on Netflix and King Charles is coming up to his uh, birthday celebration, which, according to reports so far, they have not been invited. Uh, so we'll have to see moving forward. But again, it's just a fascinating narrative because, you know, we heard from them that they were really limited when they were in England and, you know, to be a part of of, uh, you know, the, the family, they were, they were not able to really take on the projects that they wanted to, um, and that, you know, they had a lot of passion and drive. And so now they're out of that and we're not really seeing those projects. So I, I think it's, it's an interesting situation for them for sure. What's your take? Uh, well, are you a royalist? I, I can imagine you with a, a women's magazine with the fluffy slippers on looking through it going, oh, I told them they shouldn't have left. Is that you? In the United States, it's very different. You know, we are fascinated from afar looking at royal families, but of course we don't have that here. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, well, I, I look at it and I just think the whole thing's a bit of a farce and I feel sorry for everyone involved. I think it's terrible when a family splits and terrible when it happens so publicly as well over something that could have been averted such a long time ago. But uh, people make their own choices. They're independent. I'm sure that they think that they're doing the right thing. Um, but if they make one more documentary, I tell you what, I'm going to cancel that streaming service. Veronica, great to see you. Talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Former U.S. President Donald Trump's business finances at the center of the non-jury civil trial against the family and the Trump organization. Ivanka Trump testified that she was not involved in the creation of or discussions regarding her father's statements of financial condition. Ivanka Trump testified on Wednesday that she did not recall details of real estate deals she worked on at her father's company. She took the stand in a New York civil fraud trial that threatens former U.S. President Donald Trump's business empire. Evidence presented in court showed Ivanka was concerned that her father did not have enough wealth to provide as collateral for loans the Trump Organization used to develop properties in Washington and Florida. Ivanka acknowledged she worked on those deals, but said she was not involved in calculating Trump's net worth. She was a top executive of the Trump Organization between 2011 and 2017, though she repeatedly stated she did not recall specifics of the company's finances. 
Quote, there were many emails, many conversations, she said. Unlike her brothers Eric and Donald Jr. and her father, Ivanka Trump is not a defendant in the case. In a world where burnout has become an all-too-common companion of modern life, a growing number of workers are finding salvation in a surprising place. Career Change for More, we're joined by Karen Gately from Corporate Dojo. Great to see you. This is an ongoing issue, particularly post-COVID as well. What's prompted people to, I guess, make that career change in the first place? Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of people have... Um through the COVID period, taking the opportunity to really think about, you know, what do they enjoy about work and obviously what they don't enjoy so much about work. But I'd also say that this has been something that throughout my career I've observed, you know, a lot of us actually get onto a career path because somebody in our lives told us it would be a good idea. So we go off to university, we get that qualification, we become that version of ourselves. And then we get, you know, a way into our career and start to realise that it's just not energising, we just don't enjoy it. And, you know, I meet a lot of people who feel stuck on those paths and, um, yeah, struggle to, to move in a different direction. Is there an age where you think that happens if we're on that path of heading towards university in the 20s, growing up and, and trying to make a name at a company? A lot of people say it's the 35-year crisis where you get to that point yeah. in life and you say, I'm about to make really significant decisions. I want to have a family, but I'm not happy in my job. Yeah. Look, I think that's right, Aaron. I think that 35 you know, age group, I would say it's anywhere between 30 and 40 is yeah, the right. most common time that I see that happening. Yeah. Um, again, people had a number of years on the career path that they've chosen. So they've got enough experience in that space to know that they're not enjoying it. And then as you pointed out, they're also starting to look to the future and what else is coming down the path. And often that means families and mortgages and all those kinds of things. And yeah, it's at that point that people often think, is this really sustainable? Can I imagine myself doing this until I'm 60, 65? But the golden um, handcuffs, right? That's often the thing that keeps people there and the fear of retraining, dealing with new management, losing their super, losing their long service leave that they might be close to, uh, losing their holidays, thinking if I start a new job, it's going to take quite some time until I can take two weeks off again. Are these the reasons why people get stuck? And if so, what happens to you psychologically if you're stuck in a job you don't enjoy? Yeah, I think those reasons are absolutely common. I think, you know, often people feel like I have to go backwards. I've done, for example, a university degree that now is not related to what I think I really want to be when I grow up. And the thought of having to go back down that path and to requalify is, you know, challenging for people. And then losing that financial security, they may have actually built their income to a certain level. And again, they fear that if they change paths, they're going to have to start again and, and therefore lose momentum. I think the, the reality is when people feel stuck, it can have a profound impact on our, our mental health and well-being. I've met many people who are battling with depression, for example, because they're just not getting joy from life. They can't see a path through, you know, that, that sense of um, hopelessness that this is my reality now forever. So I think it's critically important that we recognise when we're in that space and dig deep and find the courage that it often takes to, to change directions so we can actually thrive not only at work but in life more broadly. I think that there's a lot of people who wish that they could change jobs or change their circumstances and perhaps they never do. Do you think that COVID was the reason why people took a step back and, and said the relationship with work has changed? It had been changing for quite some time, but now I recognise it has changed. I need to be able to balance my work with my well-being. 
I think that's absolutely true for people who were feeling that sense of burnout before COVID, you know, and often it was the the long commute into work. So going to work and from work just meant that we were living really long work days before Mm. we could then tap into that downtime. And so the benefit of COVID for many people, clearly not all, but for many people was that commute time came out, we had greater flexibility, we could put on the washing, you know, quickly for 10 minutes in the middle of our work day, we could kind of keep up, um, including if we're parents taking kids to school, picking them up, all of those things became a lot easier. And I think people just experienced a way of living that was beneficial, that was more manageable. So I think, yeah, it did. It caused people to go, hold on a minute, there's got to be a way that I can have a work life, have a successful career, but also have my health and my balance and my time with family, et cetera. All right. Karen Gately from Corporate Dojo. Always appreciate your advice and feedback. Thank you. Thank you. More Ticker News right after this. You're watching Ticker. We'll have more in just a few minutes. 